got a million dollars. Hot dog! I'm Joel Volk and welcome to Small BizCast, where twice a month I explore the lives of small business owners to dig a bit deeper and explore strengths, weaknesses, ideas, and challenges with blemishes and all. To succeed in the world of tourism and farming takes a very special talent. Couple that in an area where managing employees is very challenging. Will Lidgate of Lidgate Farms Kauai Chocolate has solved this problem and is doing a sweet job of it. As you listen to Small BizCast, you will find comfort in knowing that you are not alone. Hopefully you'll find inspiration and ideas in the people I introduce you to, like Will. Hopefully you'll laugh a little too. Hot dog, it's a wonderful life. I always love discussions with uh, business owners. There's a lot of uh, heart and soul that goes into a business. It was really evident when I visited Lidgate Farms. I mean, uh, one of the things that I found really interesting is, is quite a bit based on how I view Kauai. Because every time I go to Kauai, I think of Kauai as, as a challenge. You know, as a business person, I would always go, God, how can I make a living here? How can I make, and, and, and I, because I love it so much. I love how green it is, how beautiful it is, how peaceful it is. I love how I feel. I love everything about Kauai. That's why we go back year after year. However, as a business person, I get anxious because it looks really hard to make a living. It looks really hard. Now, what gives you that impression? Because because you're not wrong, but I'm just curious. What gives you that spidey sense about yeah, Hawaii being uh, a hard place to do business? It's very rare to get uh, to to get helped by employees that seem like they are there to for the love of their job. They look mm. like they're there because they want to be there, and this is a necessary evil to being here. Is I have to make a few bucks, so I'm going to go do my thing, and then I'm going to go chill and hang out afterwards, and. And so that's, so I always determined that unless I wanted to make my living there being a sole practitioner on some level, I'm probably never going to make a living on Hawaii. And then when we visited your place, your staff rocked, man. They love your business. They loved what they were doing. They loved the people. They loved the mission they were on. And that's what made me want to talk to you for the Cool, man. Yeah, right on. I thought this is whatever this guy's got going on. He's cracked, yeah. he's cracked it. He's cracked Joel, it. You, you make an interesting observation. I forget about that. And I definitely get the same impression when I visit most businesses. I mean, sometimes, you know, servers are usually pretty motivated, but like people who aren't necessarily strictly working for tips, oftentimes it just seem like the worst everything. And like, it's just, why is it like that? Do you have any insights? I, mean, I would, well, you know, what, what makes an area have that? I don't think I have many insights. I'll just tell you my anecdote. The first impression when I bought my, I bought a, a timeshare in Kauai in Princeville okay. on the af, on the aftermarket. Okay. So I, I bought it on eBay. And, cool. And the, uh, the seller's title company was in Florida. And so the time difference in Florida and Hawaii is about six hours. So that gave me about a two hour window whenever I had to call to be able to get anybody on the phone, I had this tiny little window to make any progress. Right. Like 9 a.m. Hawaii time to it is 3 p.m. Florida time, right? <laughs> right. Something like, yeah. So, and, and, and in, in Florida, I'm not sure they're all that, you know, ambitious either about working either. Right? It's just these sunny places. They don't want to work. So anyway, I remember that I would call Hawaii during my window and that the phone would ring and it was a law office, by the way, it was like a local you know, land specialist legal firm. And the phone would ring 17, 18, 19 times. And then they'd answer the phone. 
Aloha. And I'd go, oh, you're busy, huh? And they go, no, not really. <laughs> I figure, I figure they just decided they were going to answer the phone because they could tell after 17 or 18 rings, I wasn't going to give up. <laughs> and they might as well pick up the phone to make that irritating. Yeah, sound. no, that was it. They're like, he's not going <laughs> to. So, so like maybe if I just don't answer the phone, I won't have to deal with this. Right. And then it, I, it, it, I met the a restaurant tour. Worst that? thing. It's like, here's the thing. Customers are not your problem. Customers are your salvation. Right. Right. Yeah. The customers right. dealing with the customer is not a problem. Dealing with the customer is the answer. Yeah, exactly. And you, and yeah, I team, get it. How if you're overstretched, that. it could feel that way. But right. the thing is, you got to get out of that situation ASAP. Because if that moment with the customer, that is the sacred moment. And if you can't be present for that, you got to get someone who can't be present for that or scale something back. Or that is just a, to me that just to not be present with the customer is so embarrassing. Right. And, and so that obviously is how, who you are and right, but there's, I, that comes across to your team and how, and I'm really curious when we, you know, maybe now that was the time I was to ask it. Yeah. Do you have some magic in what and how you interview people or recruit people to make them? Yeah, no, no. Um, I think uh, I have a performance background. And I was a bass player for years. I actually trained as a musician, went to Berkeley College of Music in Boston and just maybe also had a sense. I did a lot of theater when I was a kid. Yeah. And theater in that I was backstage. So I had this like keen awareness of when you're behind like the legs, which is the felt things, fire retardant felt things that are in the theater that the right. crew is behind with the fly, you know, all the stuff like that. The audience can't see you. It's one thing. If you're ever on stage, oh boy, it's another thing. Right. So I think one thing that reflects out of me is the sense of on stage, off stage. Okay. And and that is something that I really deeply impress into everybody. That as soon as there's a customer here, you know, it's on stage. I'll even talk about different physical areas we stand uh-huh. and what oh, you really? do in those areas, what you don't do in those areas. Like if you're uh-huh. standing in the place where you're going to address everybody, you never just address you know, you don't have repeated small talk with a bunch of people because it trains people that this is what happens. You stand there and you don't engage me. So it's if you're going to engage people informally, one or two, there's a way to do it. And there's a way to kind of uh, gather cohesion in a group through your voice. You know, people, people talk about sealing the exits with your voice, right? So I had this wonderful uh, teacher at Berkeley College of Music named Livingston Taylor, who's James Taylor's lesser known brother. Uh, but he had wonderful things to say. And he's, he's a lesser he's, tailor. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not sure if he's so lesser, but he was lesser known. Um, didn't have the fame of sweet baby James. So Livingston would say things like seal the exit with your voice, you know, talk to the back row. Right. And I think um, things like that do get told to my staff. Then when it comes to hiring, which was your question, um we definitely we're in the process of like um doing the final baking process on uh our values which are actually not completed but i do think that having values whatever they are really helps core values so they actually correspond to our chocolate package okay so the the first symbol in the upper left of our chocolate package is a cacao pod symbol and that stands for we love chocolate i don't want anyone here who doesn't like love chocolate but that also means we love what we're doing. Right. We're not just some place and you can work somewhere else. We want you to love chocolate and love food. And let me run through these and then 
Yeah. Um, okay. You want to stop me? Go ahead. And then this next symbol is a taro leaf, which is the Hawaiian staple food. And that stands for it's up to us. There's this responsibility aspect of the Hawaiian creation myth of taro plant is actually the elder sibling of the Hawaiians. So this is just it's up to us to what to get it done to serve the customer. No one else is going to figure out how to make the greatest chocolate in the world and teach us how to do it. We have to do that. Right. Yeah. The, and the next symbol is five arrows. It stands for five generations. And this is the core value of we row together. So the metaphor of a canoe mm -hmm. and everyone in the staff got together and talked about this. And one of the things nobody wants is someone who's not a team player. Right. So this whole metaphor of like the team as opposed to the family, right. Team is like family, but more functional <laughs> and about a goal. Not like you're here no matter what. Right. right. I think it's right. not a family. It is, right. but it's a team and it's a different kind of family. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then the last symbol is, um, is uh, the Lydgate. It's sort of like a family crest. And this last symbol is connection to, to tradition. Um, and it's just that history piece. So I think that when I interview someone, I sit down, I feed them a piece of chocolate and I stare them down and you get a sense of a person. And I think some of it is like, we call back also all of people's references and, you know, we follow up on their resumes here. I think word of mouth is the best. We've been getting pretty good results with indeed.com. And then we just filter. And if they really aren't a value as much, we don't pick them. But I think it's just like raising a kid. Does the kid know that it's not allowed to throw Legos at the teacher? Is that even tolerated? You have to create a context. Right. And I let people know right away, this is what we're about. And if you're about that, that's great. If you're not, that's totally fine. Just this isn't a good place for you. And people get into it. They really like structure, I think. Yeah. So you, do you think that you're unique and that you, you provide structure where a lot of businesses in, in Kauai do not? I'm not sure. I'm not sure that that leads to the systemic thing. And I don't know where the systemic thing, if there's a tropical itis or uh, sort of I'd rather be surfing. Um, I think it, 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 it's, it's uh, Hawaii's issues with that particular problem are, are several fold. One of them is that a lot of people leave especially yeah. this island. Um, many people move to the mainland. Most people who have that drive aren't here. Mm -hmm. Why would you be here? So I think that's big. And then, yeah, I think that trickles down to the managers as well. So I want to back um, up a little bit yeah. and talk about your business. Sorry to interrupt you, but I want to back up a little bit. Talk about sure. your business. Sure. Um, it's you're, you're a fifth generation Kauai farmer yeah. and you sell among other things, chocolate, Gourmet, is it, would you call it gourmet chocolate? Or I would say specialty, but yeah, you could say gourmet. I think specialty chocolate, just in the same way there's cheap coffee and then there's like really nice coffee, there's cheap wine, there's nice wine. It's it's the nice chocolate. Right. With we did the chocolate. Fine floral flavors and fruity flavors. Right. It, was, it was fun. We did the chocolate tasting and, you know, you, you put it in your mouth, you let it sit on different parts of your palate. You, you kind of sense different elements of it that, that give it a different taste or flavor or... It was very much like a wine tasting uh, to me. Yeah. And it seemed as though there was a lot of the science with it, just like wine tasting. And I know that uh, you do cooperative marketing and uh, merchandising with wine companies. I guess one of my questions is what, what came first, the chocolate or the tour? And the reason I ask that question is, yeah, it seems like it's a holistic, like it, it's a marriage. It has to be. It seems like without one, the other doesn't. Right. And, and so I was just kind of yeah. curious. How, how you go from 
you know, and a fifth generation farmer in Kauai, but you, it was bamboo, if I'm not mistaken, was your, your product. On the fifth generation side, so my family's been here since the 1860s, uh, but this farming operation is a little more of a new venture. So great, great grandpa was involved in ag, great grandpa was too. My grandpa was like a marketing guy, and my dad was a craftsman. So we are a fifth generation family, um, but this this specific farm is is a product of the latest generation. So. You know, I look for ways to say, how do I say we're a fifth generation family? And, you know, we run this farm. It's a family farm. So when it comes to which came first, the tour of the chocolate, I really think that for ag tourism, the skill set that's uh, there's two vital skill sets. One's the ag skill set and one's the tourism skill set. And few right. people have both of those. But if you have the agriculture skill set, the chances of you getting into the tourism skill set, I think, are like much harder. So I actually think people coming uh, from the tourism side or the performance side into agriculture, or in my case, having you know family roots in agriculture, being able to go into that is is what made it work. And were I going to hire someone to start up an from from the get-go i would find a farm operation and then bring someone over from tourism so for us you know we were producing very little chocolate and started doing the tour and it was a lot of comparative tastings and i you know my dad and my sister you know were here they started it i was here after about six months i've been on the mainland at college and um yeah that was kind of the beginning of it and it, we didn't have a lot of chocolate for a long time. And so, you know, we started making our, the original vision that my dad had was to, you know, give trees to people to plant trees. And we'd started the industry and all that. Okay. I started looking, it was, you know, it was going to be time for me to take over the business. I think by about 2010, 2011, I saw the writing on the wall, you know, we needed to be bigger and we were, you know, we were producing some really tasty chocolate by then, but still it, the plantings weren't that big. So I um, decided to lease the neighboring property, which is a much larger property, let us plant a lot more trees. And then we planted those out. And then I took over the farm in 2016. And so th that's when we really started producing more volume. And I'd say now, eventually, I think the agriculture will it'll continue to grow and grow and grow and grow. Right. And hopefully the tours will grow, grow and grow and grow. But for us, it was, you know, the realization that that these farm tours and visitors can be a way to fund the growth of this farm rather than having a big farm and saying, Hey, what are we going to do with all this products? And sadly, there's been a lot of really big farming operations in Hawaii that have decided to close their doors that probably could have pivoted to a, a visitor model. But I think it's hard to go from this massive wholesale commodity crop model to a value added, you know, selling everything direct to customer model because it's such a different, set of soft skills, such a different set of um, manufacturing hurdles and design. I think most of all, I think most farmers aren't forced to have much of a design sense. And if you don't have some kind of design sense or you don't seriously prioritize hiring someone with some design sense and taste, you know, uh, there's no chance, I think, to make it doing what we're doing. You can have a really big company, be really successful, have all the money in the world. If someone in that company doesn't realize that it has to look good and taste good and doesn't have a good palate or have a good design sense, I mean, it's, it's a desert. 
That makes sense to me. We are going to take a short break and be right back. Welcome to our new sponsor, Jorgensen HR. Jorgensen HR believes that an employer's workforce is the single key to customer satisfaction, reputation growth, profitability, and the ultimate success of the company. Jorgensen HR works to ensure that employers are in compliance with federal, state, and local HR laws and helps assist them with almost everything else HR. Driven by passion and guided by expertise, Jorgensen HR. Please remember to mention Small BizCast when you call 661-600-2070 or visit them online at jorgensenhr.com. You may remember Janice Miller of Miller Haga Law Group from our episode, Saving Nigel in season one. Miller Haga supports businesses of all sizes from large to small. No matter what phase your business is in, from startup to wind down, Miller Haga Law Group acts as your innovative general counsel. Their experienced team of lawyers will keep the gears of your business turning. If you wanna minimize your liability while maximizing your profits with competent and efficient counsel, contact MillerHaga.com for more information. That's MillerHaga, H-A-G-A.com. Small BizCast is proud to support Fit for the Cause. Fit for the Cause is the leading organization in fitness for low income and special needs communities. Founded in response to the national health crises, Fit for the Cause has used licensed and COVID conscious trainers to keep their members active even during the pandemic. Offering physical training, nutrition, and a variety of classes, members benefit from the same resources given to Special Olympic athletes. So stay active now by going to www.fitforthecause.org. That's fit, the numeral four, thecause.org. If you know of anyone who feels lonely on their way to the top, I can help. Hot Dog Business Growth is for companies of all sizes. For people new to business, we offer the Pay It Forward Roundtable a monthly half-day panel discussion with your peers, coupled with one-to-one private counseling with me. This is super affordable and the best OJT you'll ever get as you learn to grow your business. For the more seasoned, Hot Dog Business Growth offers counseling for leadership and teams. We offer sales strategies and team synergy, as well as customer service assessments and training. Our decades of business experience is on tap for you and your team. Schedule your no-obligation conversation at Hot Dog Biz Growth We are back. We are speaking with Will Lidgate of Lidgate Farms and Kauai Chocolate. One of the questions I had, uh, many questions I have, but one of them is uh, my friends in the wine business, if they have too many grapes, they come to other wineries and and if they don't have enough, they buy them from other wineries, other vineyards. Is it the same with with, with chocolate too? If you do you sell or buy, you know, if your yields aren't enough for the volume you need, do you then buy? Yeah. So I think it, 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 I think it will be that way. Right. We're pioneering that model though. So really there's not many other growers here, but I will buy, you know, pods from growers and I ferment them. And the secret sauce is in the fermentation just as it is in the winery. Right. So I will buy rather than, you know, beans, I will buy pods and then ferment the wet seed. I'd like to see more of that. We've got three or four people growing for us uh, with the intention to sell to us. And I would love to see a market for pods or wet seed or beans here. I think you're going to see more and more of that. Um, it's just takes time to get started. And, uh, you know, we're only so far into this industry. How long are you into this industry? That's a great question. We planted our first trees in 2002. When we first planted, I mean, uh, there was one company I knew making chocolate and 
nobody knew what how to do any of it and the university you know had one guy that you know had um some stuff that he had going on and you know now in 2021 i'd say there's six or seven people that really know how to do it i mean it's not really common knowledge so i think we could be you know 20 years in but it's it's a slow start i think we're definitely one of the you know the pioneering class and i think in terms of showing people the potential of ag tourism we could be the pioneer and do you get uh, support from local government or uh, any any yeah. type, uh, you do in what way? Big time. Um, well, during COVID, a lot of grants. We got a nice CARES Act grant. I'm sorry, I put a little piece of chocolate in my mouth. <laughs> we got a little CARES Act grant <laughs> to, um, you to hire a couple folks. Yeah. Nah. CARES Act grant to hire a couple folks. And they've just been great. And yeah, we ran through that and we kept them on, you know, that kind of a thing. Right. And uh, we're doing a vanilla research project with them as well. Um, so they funded a, a grant and we matched a bunch and got a bunch of in-kind donations. So we're doing some vanilla research. And then I think we have really good relationships with obviously the economic development and mayor's office and the council, county council, which is our legislative right. body. And I think that all helps. Um, when you need something, you know where to go to get it. But so is that, they're not. Is that, um, is that a vital part of the business model? Then the 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 um, the government uh, assistance part of it. I mean, can can can, yeah. the, can the business be built to sustain itself without that that part of the model? Totally. And so no, it's really just a COVID thing. But that's a longer process. But, I see. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. I discovered we can get a lot of grants though. Right. Things like agricultural research. There's a lot of money out there for that. So, right. And then, you know, there's kind of an R&D part of what we do. Yeah. Typically we're not depending on grants to get the bottom line. You said a minute ago that you do direct to consumer sales. Is that all from the tour and people local or do you, do you have a big online presence? I went onto your website and I saw some, you know, presence, but not a huge, I didn't see a huge uh, tool there to buy your, your products. Is that well, is it's there? Yeah, I mean, we've got the folks that come on our tour or join our mailing list, and there's other folks too, but I think it's mostly people come on the tour. Mm-hmm. And so the mailing list is just slowly growing. Right. And, and the more tours we do, the more customers. I mean, you know, one in every five people that comes is loves it and orders. That's and awesome. So it's a model that it's a model that grows. Right. As you you know have more people come through. Right. Have you done any kind of marketing for like chocolate of the month subscriptions, that type of business? Are you thinking about that? Yeah, we did one of those. I think it was a great success. And we, we people who are, are on it, like they love it. Mm-hmm. How um, does that work? But I think for, for me, it was a little bit of a failure in that it just wasn't exactly what I wanted it to be. But we're going to be relaunching something in 2022. And it's going to be a little bit more like a wine subscription instead of monthly. Well, we don't have quite enough diversity to do monthly. Right. right now, until we have our own factory, we're using a factory on Oahu. Um, but I like quarterly. You know, the wine, a lot of the wine subscriptions do quarterly. Mm-hmm. I think that gives you a time to offer a really unique vintage of the chocolate, some unique thing. Um, and then the other thing that we didn't do was that kind of membership price thing that a lot of wineries do. So right. we're going to be looking at those things and, and launching, you know, uh, kind of a club thing that it just it's that i'm a part of this 
and have the benefits of, you know, better price for the products, you know, maybe some other perks when you come here, there's certain things you can book that you can't if you're not a member. Right. So I think the wineries basically figured it out. Most of the stuff when it comes to how to interact with customers, how to sell the stuff. Um, I think really wineries have been at this and really discovered all the little tips and tricks. So we're just following in their footsteps. Yeah. But They're you, the pioneers. You did some very unique things when I did the tour. I, I thought one of the really interesting parts of the tour was uh, you did a local fruit tasting and nothing to do with the products you sell. It was just, by the way, we, you know, have soursop. It was a, yeah. I've never heard of before. I had tasted it incidentally a day before, but in a liquid form, like a juice, but seeing this fruit, you know, the flesh of the fruit and what it looked like, and then tasting it, you know, holding it in my hand, tasting it. What a unique, what a unique element to the, to the tour. And I thought it was a really nice touch. It had, it was more about, you know, the agriculture here in Hawaii and 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 the variety and talked talk a little bit the tie-in was just how 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 rich the the land is how because it's so old and how well it gets you know how much moisture there is there and how just perfect it is for growing anything and um and then it also showed just a great passion from your your staff and it was as a way we as we walked you know through your through your uh your your property from the from the reception area down to where the, you do the, the tasting, it was just a really nice element of, of, of the tour. Yeah. And I thought I'm really glad you liked that. Yeah. That I awesome. think it's, um, I'm glad that you like that. The fruit tasting. I think once you've got people, you know, the goal is to really take care of them. Right. And I think we love food, not just chocolate. And I love tropical fruit and plants. And so I, the tour evolved as basically what we would do with you if you were our friends and you came over to hang out. Right. You know, I'm like a born tour guide. I don't know how to explain this. When I first started giving tours, I was like, this is one of these things. I was just born to do this. Right. And it's not just chocolate. Like there's a lot of cool plants and every plant has a story or, you know, 10, 15 minutes of material. So we skip a lot, but we go through, here's this plant. This is the story of this. This is that. And then, of course you want to taste soursop and chiku and longan and lychee and whatever's in season because we want to deliver to visitors those peak experiences and and you can go to an in and out on the mainland but you can't really get a really super good fresh soursop <laughs> so off is obvious this is what we want to do you know we want to do the stuff that is unobtainable right right and 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 again because your your staff was so passionate about it it was intoxicating you know it was great to be part of that and see someone who's enthusiastic about the operation i don't believe she was part of your family i think she was just someone that worked there but she just had yeah namel in fact i think she she was pretty new we trained we did a really rigorous training um, I think that was when she was in that first initial, just coming out of her training. She was uh -huh. just on fire, on fire for, you know, what we're doing on the farm and engaging with the people. Yeah, she was, she was on it. Yeah. And, and unlike so many other places I've been in Hawaii, your, your team just seemed to just love what they're doing. And that, you know, I think Thanks, that starts man. at the top down. So one of the reasons uh, I wanted to speak with you is because that that's not easy under normal circumstances 
Um, you know, one of the one of the big challenges in managing any operation is getting the esprit de corps. You know, getting the the the, the staff, yeah. staff to to buy into your mission, um, and uh, and then let alone doing it in a place where there's good surfing. Right? You know, twenty. Yeah, minutes. right. I know. Yeah, was it away. Napoleon? Yeah, Napoleon yeah. Bonaparte. I mean, he's kind of an a hole, but he, he one of the things he said was, "The moral is to the physical is three to one." And I think that there's a hmm. lot of people with a lot of money. There's a lot of people with big, a lot of big corporations that could see what we're doing and just copy us and try to get there. But, and there's other people, you know, that, that are copying us and trying to do what we're doing. And, you know, uh, I just, but can they copy how much we love what we're doing? You know, can they copy the family history and the family heritage? Can they copy how much we care about people? Because I think those are the things that are really hard to obtain, that are really worthwhile. And you clearly got it 100%, right, Joel? You got it 100%. You just reflected exactly you got it, right? We really care. Okay. <clears throat> you want more peeks behind the curtain of you. What am I looking for when I hire people? All right. Yeah. Do you ever do like Enneagram stuff, Joel, or your listeners? Enneagram? So this is like a it's a it's early personality typing. Um, oh, do you mean know, psychometric thing? Okay. Yes, Jesuits. Yes, Jesuit stuff. Anyway, I'm not that versed in the enneagram, but use it enough that you know when it works, it works really well. And okay, here's the thing: the map is not the territory, right? The, the, what we think about the world is not the world. The world is actually you can't explain it, but you need a map, right? So if sometimes if you can come up with a model for the world that seems to work, it can be very useful simply because the world is so ineffable, it's hard and humans are so finite. So sometimes if Enneagram can really work for people. Anyway, um, the, there's a type that's um, the two, which is basically like the nurturer uh -huh. type of person. Um, so there's two ones, which are more intellectual. There's two threes, which are more like wearing nice clothes uh, and care about their appearances. But generally that two wing is what you want to look for in like a tour guide type person. I want people and whether or not you think about Enneagram and I don't actively think about it, whether or not you think about that, I want someone who wants people to like them. You know, right. those people, I'm one of those yeah. people don't like them. They feel a little uncomfortable. I want right. those people. Right. right. I want people that really go out of their way to make people feel happy around them. Yeah. I want people that, you know, there, if if you don't have a great time, they feel physically uncomfortable. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and you can't teach like that, the, right? That's all in need. You can, It's a trait. It's a trait. Right. So I guess if you talk about actual psychological traits, we're talking about like agreeableness and conscientiousness. And um, but anyway, I think of it as just, and you can tell if someone wants everyone around them to be happy, and it needs to be from a place of genuine self-service. It's not everyone just needs to make people laugh because they feel you know, not enough sort of self-esteem. It's more just like people who delight in bringing others joy. Right. So if you're hiring someone or if I'm hiring someone to be customer facing, I'm specifically looking for that personality type, uh, that an extroverted, of course, right? Because they can't be stressed. They can be like that, but they can't be stressed out by that, right? <laughs> right. To be someone who after a day of engaging with other people, you know, just they love, have making those new friends and stuff yeah. and it's not like hey i can't do this i'm going home i'm like 
yeah, I'm freaking out. Yeah, they get a high from it. By the way, um, I'm sorry. What was the yeah. name of the What was the name of the woman that that was our tour guide? Did you say Melanie? Yeah. So Melanie, when I mentioned to her, I gave her my card for the podcast. She was so excited uh, that this is perfect. Someone who wants to do the podcast. That's great. She definitely had that. Yeah. Dream. There's no question about it. She gets it, and I think it's not like. And I've got other people that maybe don't have that thread or strain exactly i've got this girl Mejia. she works for us she doesn't necessarily have that i need everyone to be happy but she has another way of getting there right she just mm -hmm. like somehow you come up and she's there and like, everyone's sitting down and they're all just listening and somehow she's just so calm she gets everyone to be calm just brilliant so you need people who have these inherent traits and I think one of the, the advantages that I have is like a sort of a, an educated sixth sense for psychological traits. Okay. Uh, this comes from reading a lot of books on psychology and also having a fair amount of practice with these things. So uh -huh. um, you need to have some sort of sense of a judge of people. And then you can educate that by, you know, reading things. Um, I was a big fan of Milton Erickson, for example, the Jay Haley Milton Erickson books, really big influence on me. Um, I don't know. I like the Zig Ziglar stuff on selling. I haven't, I haven't read Zig Ziglar for 10 years, but I did a bunch. For some reason, when I was a young adult, I got really into it. Um, I don't know. I think Joseph Campbell has some things to offer here. He kind of brings psychology in with mythology and archetypes, and he has something to offer, I think. I'm calling on him. So I think these kinds of sort of psychosocial, mythological, heroic, figures really help you to get to the heart of what someone's about. And uh, I will absolutely not tolerate one little bit, any kind of nasty in, in fighting sick right. problem type people, because it's about one in 10 or at least one in 20 people are just, they're going to have problems all the time. They live for their problems. They love to help they feel them and they feel so alive and then they resolve them and it feels better. And I know this type and I do not want them working in the business. So, um, and I, you look at, you can, you can um, do a postmortem on a lot of things you see happening in business. Oftentimes it, it comes from a bad hire or a bad fire of a bad hire. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, once these people are in, it's hard to get rid of them. Right. Um, you know, then there's that whole, you know, that you're a business consultant. What was that A, B, C, D thing? The A player, right? You promote them. The B player, you keep them right where they are. The C player has a good attitude, but oh, excuse me, a bad attitude, but is a high performer. You fire them. And the D player, you say, why are they working here? Right. Like there's something wrong with our hiring process. You know that one. I it was uh, Jack well, Welch. I do, I, think I, do, was, I do now. <laughs> Oh yeah, the Jack Welch thing. So, yeah, basically, what what one column is, um, one column is attitude, yeah, and, and then the other axis is performance. Right, right. So, great attitude, great performance. Those are A players. You hire them. You know, great attitude, okay performance. Those are B players. They're happy where they are. Don't overpromote them. Right. C players. That's good attitude. Bad attitude. Good performers. Those are poison. Get rid of them. Right. Because other people come along with them, and, and yeah, they cause all these problems. And then D is bad attitude, bad performance, and they're just a warm body holding space. And the question is, why did they get hired in the first place? Anyway, that was Jack Welch's yeah. thing. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Jack Welch, um, actually. Um, yeah. 
Uh, question for you. Do you have a lot of, uh, of colleagues from other, other business owners that you can collaborate with and network with uh, where you are? I, a big part of my Man. business world is that I, I'm friends with other people that are in about the same place that I am, and, and we help each other learn and get better. And I I've just, for some reason, never perceived that Kauai would have a big pool of, of folks like that, but you- We don't, and, and I, we, we don't, Joel. I sort of mourn for that also, mm -hmm. honestly. Um, right. I, I mean, there's a handful of great people and you can easy to forget to reach out to them. It's not so many people that were just constantly having lunch or hanging out. I got some great people and you call on them and you go, oh man, this is what I'm missing, not living on the mainland. And then honestly, on Oahu, I feel like I have a lot more. Right. Um, like the guy who runs our printing company and the guy who runs our chocolate company. And there's all these peers, you know, and you feel like you're part of a, 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 a group a cohort. Yeah. You grow um, with, you grow you with really them. don't have that here. Right. You grow with them. Yeah. And you uh, develop yeah. and think of things and no. ask questions. And, and I think right. that's, yeah, that's right. I think that's one of the hardest things actually about being a business owner here at Joel is that we, you kind of don't have that. You've got, right. you know, kind of a tough, a tough labor market. Um, and then you've got, uh, you know, kind of lack of, you know, robust entrepreneurial network. Um, I think it's, it, it, you know, wanting to start a business on Kauai, on Kauai is something that um, you have to love it here. And I think you need to have like a reason to be here. That could be like you just love water sports and you really want to have a business here. Um, I'm here because my family's from here. Mm -hmm. um, and you need some, you know, roots here or desire to be here to put down roots. Um, and if you can be here, there's advantages. And my dad, you know, likes to say, well, I don't, I'm not trying to like, <laughs> I'm not going to say this, but he likes to say in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. <laughs> That's right. And, um, you know, it's sort of like, uh, it's not that vigorous of a, a entrepreneurial community. So if you have vigor in yeah. that department, you're the, you're the, the person, you know, there's been all sorts of people like, Oh, we're going to grow chocolate. We're going to do what you do. And none of them have the stick to itiveness. Right. Right. I mean, you actually have to get up and keep doing this thing every day. Right. It's not good right? to do it once. You got to keep doing it and keep trying yes. to get better at it and, and keep trying to be an authority plant. at it and self-teach and all of these yes. things. And it's a yeah, and then it has to it has to generate revenue. Right. And oh, that it, you know, it's like people do it for a while and then right. they're like, uh, you know, so you, you see a couple different models. See one, which is the people with a lot of dough come in and like plop something in place. And then it runs for a while and then it sort of stops because it didn't generate revenue. This is the Bill Porters and, or the Chris Jabes or the, you know, the folks who just put some big, we're going to do ecology and farming and all this stuff. And then I think the right way to build a business is, you know, from the core out, you know, it has to have, business has to have a core. So, yeah. so what do you, what do you know now that you didn't know then that you would do differently if, if you were like when I started, when I took this yeah, over. Yeah. Right. Like, Oh were, man. What, wow. what, would you, what would you start out oh, doing God. differently than you did? I mean, a lot of it was just building skills. So I'm not sure, like, I could just magically have those skills. That would be great. Mm -hmm. Just, you know. Did you come in with enough capital or enough facility for cash? No, not at all. So how did you bridge um, that? No, not at, made it happen, man. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, right? I don't know. What do we all do, right? You just bootstrap it. Right? Yeah, I just made it happen. I mean, right. I think I just had to. I had to. I had to go both ways, you know. Instead of like, you know, going in the hole and expanding, or you know, banking profits. I think I just had to use profits to expand, and it was just slow. Mm-hmm. Um, could could you have done you know, it faster? Now that you know what you didn't know, do you think you yeah. could, you could have done it faster? Right. Yes and no. Um. Yes and no, because a part of it is slow because the trees take time, right? Uh-huh. So it's actually like there's a really natural slowness to it because, again, you can't just have, snap your fingers and there's chocolate from Hawaii, right? right. Um, but I think there are things that I could do faster. I have more things to do than there are time to do. So the thing is, a lot of those things resolve themselves, but it is quite possible to spend my entire day responding to things and never getting anything done right. or this text message comes in i deal with that and this thing comes in and then this email and i didn't spend 90 minutes or three hours or an hour on this 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 and this mm-hmm. so that this um sort of let me take this chunk of time i'm not going to look at my phone everyone's going to know you know if you need me if there's an emergency please let me know if not i'm working on this permit right now right you know, I'm working on this organizational task, right? I'm working on this vision task because my job is to grow this business and to make it bigger, but I'm also still working in the business. So I think just that having that division, this is what I'm doing. This, this is what I'm not doing. It's really helpful. And, and I think it's a, it's a, the, it's a more useful tool. So actually just this e-calendaring kind of thing, it seems really simple but yes. those are the things that have been really helpful for me as opposed to, I think, some of the bigger conceptual things. So are you, uh, are you employing that among your team also, or are you just, that just you, your own? No, team? not yet. Um, you know, the tours are all really straightforward. Right. Um, and now with the farm team, you know, I will do meetings with the farm manager. Uh, I have, I don't send out calendar invitations for those, although I probably should. Um, you know, it's pretty much standing meetings and there's not, um, he's doing all the scheduling for the, for the workforce. So maybe he could use those for them, but I'm not sure they need it. They've got some whiteboards and it's pretty straightforward. Um, I do think that these organizational tasks and and being organized is a big part of running smoothly. And so we've been pushing that and it's been nice. That's good. I'm a big believer in structure to meetings and structure to schedules and days. So I think I think you're on the right track for that. Um, I would just uh, add that it might make sense to bring anybody else who has non um, who has administrative functions to the same fold as you are, so you're all speaking the same language, and then you structure meetings where they have time limits and accountability, and you just kind of mm, yeah. There's a, there's a process called EOS, uh, Entrepreneur Operating System. That I think is really good for most businesses more that are more than tiny. You know, any, any small medium business can use. Happy to elaborate on that sometime. But the it's cool. it's, it's a it's a very good way to to gain. Um, I mean, there were traction in your business and make make meetings count and your time and schedule count. Oh cool, um, man! So um, yeah, it's very important to to do what you're doing in a structured way. No question about it. When you said a minute ago. Uh, you know, you've got a lot more things to do than you have time to do it. I, I, I wanted to say you do. <laughs> I've never heard of anybody with a small business having that issue. <laughs> so yeah, man. So how do you so, I think so it, triaging it? It's, it's it and, the CEO. Yeah, it's, and, and it's and the you, CEO problem. 
and well, you have a bigger challenge because so much of what you do is time sensitive. In other words, you know, stuff on stuff can't wait. It, it literally dies in the vine if you don't do it right. Yeah, and, right. There's living things involved. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, and that means you have to they're dynamic too. the weather can make a change. And uh, there's so many things that could up, upset your plan that you really have to be on it uh, in order to succeed, I believe. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, certain things can be put off. Certain things cannot be put off. And it's, it's you know, those things just have to be a system. I'm a big fan of systems. Right. And then, but I think the things that can be put off, sometimes those are the most important things to really get on your schedule because some of those are just as important and will give you, you know, savings kind of down the road. Yeah, I agree. Hey, um, tell me about, let, let's talk really just for a minute about the product um, because it's award-winning. This is not just good Hawaii. Yeah. This is good chocolate. This is not just a, oh, yeah. a, a fun thing to, you know, give as a gift. This is a really nice gift to give people. And regardless of whether you're in the most beautiful island in the world or you're in, you know, downtown LA or something, it's really good stuff. Right. So talk, talk about that. What, you know, how, you know, how, sure. how yours is unique. The, the awards you've gotten, how people sure, can, yeah, thanks, Joel. can get it, would you please? Yeah. Yeah. So I think uh, there uh, most people know the difference between American cheese and like, you know, a really nice, I don't know, blue cheese or hard cheese. Most people know the difference between a Bud Light and a Kraft IPA. You know, most of us know the difference between like a sweet strawberry wine and a nice, you know, Napa Cab or Santa Pinot or something. But most people don't yet know the difference between a Nestle's Crunch and a bar, especially chocolate. And it's just as dramatic <laughs> as those comparisons. No doubt about so, it. So properly fermented cacao can have up to 500 different or over 500 different chemical compounds present, a lot of aromas, fruity, floral, nutty, spice, all these amazing smells that release themselves on your palate. There's more complexity in that chocolate than there is in wine, but you'd hardly know it growing up in the United States where most of the sweet candy products are made from a really low grade of chocolate called bulk chocolate or Sanchez cacao that is unfermented and very bitter. Now, uh, you don't notice that because there's so much uh, milk and sugar in most of the chocolate you're consuming. It's, it's a, a very analogous to coffee. So, you know, there's that kind of coffee. It's not so good on its own. But if you put the French vanilla creamer in there and, a, you know, a bunch of sugar in there, it's like, hey, it's this sweet drinky thing and, and you're not tasting the coffee you're tasting the sugar and that milk right so it's the same thing with uh, cheap milk chocolate so it, darker chocolate that is properly handled on the farm can have these fine flavors and so that's what we do and i think what we're doing here is like creating napa valley of chocolate but in hawaii right and so we uh i took over the farm in 2016 changed some things with our fermentation and post-harvest in 2017 we got Cocoa of Excellence Awards, top 50 best in the world. And I got to go to Paris and hang out at the Cocoa of Excellence Awards at the Salon du Chocolat and meet the guys from Ecuador and Ghana. And oh, what a cool India. What a cool network. And were you wearing and a Hawaiian so, shirt? I hope you were wearing a Hawaiian shirt. When you were oh, yeah. Oh, I hope come so. on. <laughs> I got the Hawaiian shirt and a Hawaii flag and a United States flag because not representing Hawaii, but actually the U.S. <laughs> Awesome. We're the only state. Yeah, we're the state that grows chocolate. You know, right. You can't grow it in Arkansas. Or, yeah, even Florida, California, Texas is too cold, actually. Uh, interesting. Uh, at night in the winter. Yeah. Yeah. So Hawaii is, represents for the, the United States in this national award. 
it's basically the three, the three top samples selected by a national committee from each of the cocoa producing countries in the world. And you, so it's pretty cool. That's yeah. really cool. And, and yeah, what, and then 2021, we got it again. So really? uh, I don't oh, know if awesome. you know about this. It happened probably after you came. Yeah, yeah. So um, unfortunately, no Paris this year. I got invited to a Zoom meeting. It's a Zoom meeting at midnight. Because <laughs> I guess if you want to have, you know, West Coast and East Coast and South America and West Africa and all the rest of the world in Europe present, which are very important, you know, East Coast, West Coast, United States, somebody's got to take the midnight slot. So <laughs> unfortunately, it's the whole one. It's a guy from Hawaii. Aloha. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, it's award winning. Uh, yeah, and we, we do honey also. Honey got uh, number one in the state. And, and honey uh, produced on your farm as well? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything you want to add? We can, you know, anything you wish I yeah. would ask that I didn't ask? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just in summary, it was it was a pleasure to be on. You know, I appreciate you talking about the human side of business. And I, I think we are all humans. And I think as business owners, we need to treat our staffs and ourselves as such. I find the hardest part of being in business is actually just dealing with the emotions, mm-hmm. you know, of, of a loss, frustration, of a, you know, just not sometimes not taking any action. You know, someone messes something up and, you know, oftentimes they know they did and they really care. And so, right. you know, you don't want to jump down their throat. You got to take that home to just how to deal with that. You know, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Like sometimes you just, you just got to wait and it resolves itself. And I think that's, and, and, people have emotions too. Your staff does. And, you know, and sometimes they need, they need things from outside of work come into work. And so I think we have to treat each other as fellow humans, not as like productivity machines and robots. Yeah. You're, and I think you, that you and I are hundred percent aligned on that life happens. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and if you want to get the best out of your people, you have to understand that they are, they have lives and they need to create, you need to foster flexibility and offer it. And, and grace, I think there's a, a term that is missing a lot. Grace, but people, when they make mistakes or they f- don't follow a, a instruction properly, it's typically not of ill intention. Typically, it's just a mistake, and you just got to be grace graceful about it, grace and, and and generous, and 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 make the best of it, make a learning experience, yeah. and not make, make someone feel lesser than, but actually embolden them. It's actually some of the most valuable. Yeah. Some of the most valuable lessons come yeah. when mistakes are made. And so you have to embrace that that's going to happen. I'm really glad you brought that up. And I'm sorry I didn't ask you. Um, I was recently speaking to a young person in business. He's about he's in business less than two years. And so, you know, he's got good days and bad days. And the bad days are really frustrating because he just, you know, he's so anxious to grow in his business. And he just, you know, these things take time. And, um, and uh, you know, you could tell he was just at his wit's end. And then I talked to him like three hours early, later and, and it had passed and he had gotten some new inspiration and, every, and ideas were flowing and he got excited. And those ups and downs that you're just referred to are so real and they really don't go away. You just kind of learn to live with them a little bit better when you've been doing it a little bit longer. But um, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Very, very, yeah. very, very uh, well put. Yeah, no, I appreciate, I appreciate that. Appreciate that grace. I think that is important. And I think, I think everybody wants to see themselves as a good performer. And so I agree with you. People are probably harder on themselves. So grace around mistakes, I think can build loyalty. And, but you know, sometimes it's like, you do have that emotion because you care so much and, you know, and yeah, I think emotions are like 
someone said they're like the weather of the body, you know? <laughs> um, so you know, sometimes you need to take an action, but it's like, how can you step back and get a gut check on like, okay, so I'm having this feeling about this, but what's, what's actually going on here. And I think sometimes talking with someone else about it's really helpful. Just, Hey, quick gut check. This happened. I feel this way about it. Like, am I right? And you're like, yeah, you're totally right. It's just sometimes you have to evaluate something without emotion. And, uh, yeah, obviously finances are very emotional. If you look at the, you know, just look at the world of finance, right? It's all human emotion drives the whole thing. So it's, it's, um, yeah, I think I want to be that, that business leader and person that really has a great staff and, and takes care of them and lets pay, gets the best people and pays them the most. And, and that's kind of my goal for the, the Hawaiian chocolate industry, Joel, is to, I just want to have like, this is the, the sort of finishing point from the point from earlier about having a great staff. And I was kind of talking about competition and people who are very well funded and people who are, you know, already doing it and copying what we're doing and trying to beat us. But uh, I don't know that anyone else cares as much about people as we do. Right. And so I want to get all the, I want to get all the best people and I want to pay them like way more than everybody else. Right. And, you know, and I think that, that, that group of people that rose together we'll get there where we're trying to go way faster than, you know, someplace that's just not coordinated and not acting together and different departments are fighting with each other. It's like, you forget you're on the same team. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you make the, you make the point about paying people above where they might get elsewhere. I'll tell you what that buys you as a business person. It buys you the most important thing that you can invest in, which is stability. And when you have stability, then you can build on your company, you can build on people's, uh, 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 their accomplishments and on their knowledge base. And you just build and build and build. You don't have to constantly start and stop, start and stop trying to trying to find the right person because you have the right person. Now you pay them well and you give them what they need emotionally. So there's no reason to go elsewhere. And then you'll build a business that will grow much faster than if you are trying to save a dollar an hour on wages and uh and it's yeah, nickel and i think that that point gets lost on a lot of business people this is you know i've talked to nothing but business people and i can tell you that almost everybody i know to a person is complaining that they can't find enough people and i say well have you tried you know offering a little bit more money <laughs> and they look at you like well it shouldn't cost that much like the market has changed you know it's a it's a seller's market now so if you want good yeah, thank people, you you're it, gonna it have really to- has joel it is it's a seller's market yeah for, forget that forget the 15 dollar an hour minimum wage yeah, that doesn't. The market it's higher than that. If you want, that's that's uh, that's McDonald's pay now. Like if you want, you know, we don't have to mandate that here in Hawaii. If you want good people, it's twenty. You know, right. unless they're like in high school. So the market has dictated that. I think COVID changed things, and you know, I couldn't have said that better about stability. I really feel that, and it, there are some issues with paying people a lot, and that you have to ensure that revenue is coming in, and that's tough. Yeah, and sometimes it's hard. You see, like you know. But you're investing. You're investing in those people. So even if there's, you know, I had, I had a few months, few months of losses, or a couple. Um, <laughs> That's all. That's and, all. Uh, and, yeah, and it was hard. And you know, yeah. I had just up my staff, and also I was building inventory, and sure. I don't like to see those numbers. But I'm thinking, you know what? I'm investing in these people, and I guaranteed that this is going to pay off. And I'm working on a bunch of other things that are going to, you know, be big. And so I think I, it is the best thing. I, I want career people. Right. I want I want career people. I want to be someone you can have a career from. And I think that, that if anything like gets me about the old timey stuff, like the old Hawaiian history, it's like 
the lives lived and the, I want to be that person that, you know, someone's with for like 30 years, you know, 20, yeah. 30 years. And, you know, you see their family grow up and like uh, that, that is a beautiful thing. That old, the old company, you know, yeah, well, the company, yeah, okay. and I want to bring that back. I want to bring that back in Hawaii. We had plantations. So I want to bring the, the company back in Hawaii mm-hmm. in a good way, a modern way. The, the first, the first business I, I was going to start, I actually, I, I worked, I, my, my mentor when I was a teenager up until in my twenties, his name was Eddie Zangwell. Unfortunately, he just passed away a few months ago, but I remember so I remember it was time for me to go out on my own and I had to tell him and I was at a family dinner, one of his family dinners at his mother's house with all his sons. His sons are my, like my, my best friends or like my, 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 my brothers from another mother. And I remember I was really nervous because I was going to tell him that night that I'm going out on my own. And I was petrified because he was such a big influence in my life. And now I was going to go from being his protege to his competitor. And I was going right. to take everything he taught me and I was going to be 10 miles away doing it my own thing. Wow, <laughs> and, yeah, so, uh-huh. and so I was really afraid. And I remember I, I, I told him and I told him in front of the family. And I'm not sure where that came from, but I did. I told him in front of everybody. And I remember him being so happy for, for me and giving me a hug. And uh, I'll just never forget how he made me feel that he was proud of me. And, you know, it, it was it was it was such a. Uh, empowering thing to have the person that taught you his you know his craft know that one day you're going to leave and that's a compliment to him he didn't take it in an insecure way he knew there was plenty of business for everybody he 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 knew that it was good for me to do that make that step and so i'll always remember how he made me feel and i always remember that that gift that he gave me of not making me feel badly about it and that's that's what we're talking about you invest in people that's deep you know never forget it that's deep. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, to be continued, Joel. All right. Well, I'd love to continue talking with you. Um, you know, you mentioned that it's hard to, you know, you, you hunger for that type of conversation. I'm here anytime. Yeah. I love these. I can do this all day long, which is why I started the podcast. Will, I am so glad we've shared this time. It seems like it went very fast. I think I can talk with you all day long. I know I say that about a lot of my guests, and I think that's the reality of what I like about being in the world of small businesses, that the people that run the small businesses are true champions. There's a lot to say, and I learn a lot every time, and it seems like the time just goes faster and faster, which of course is why I started the podcast, because I believe that people get as much out of this as I do. Have you ever wondered how bigger companies monitor ethics and compliance to make sure that their staff and their policies are being followed in accordance with not just the laws, but the policies they've set forth. Our next guest is Jay Rosen of Affiliated Monitors. Here's a sneak peek. Gotten a lot of good business advice from my dad along the way. And the first juicy nugget he gave me when when I was considering what I was going to do after college, he said, Jay, when you get up in the morning, you better love what you do. And if you don't love what you do, you're SOL. Thanks very much for listening. For all of you out there that share Small BizCast with your family, your friends, your business colleagues, thank you so much. Please keep doing that. I also really appreciate all the comments I get, the suggestions. It really means a lot that people are engaged enough to give me ideas to make the show better. And we're working towards that. Any ideas you have, please keep them coming. Please share us on your socials. The growing audience is a big deal. The more people that hear Small BizCast, the more people can benefit from the lessons my guests teach us. Hot dog, it's a wonderful life.